whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest, Emily Vaca, who is the founder and CEO of one of the most fun brands around, Mini Dip. Mini Dip is the first designer inflatable pool brand. That's right, pool brand. Festive, colorful, on trend designs created for grown ups as much as kids. No longer will those looking to cool off on hot days have to completely ruin the beauty of stylish outdoor decor with sad blue inflatable yucky pools, right? You all remember those, the kind that you get at the uh, up at uh, the drugstore. You have to up your game a little bit and get into the mini dip site and check out what they're doing. But also, I'm really psyched to hear how, how Emily has built this company and uh, her experience before and how that's trans 
related into being able to not only create a company, but also build it and scale it as she has. So welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Super, super cool. So let's jump right in. Your background is on the design side. You had your own design company when you decided to start Mini Dip. Can you share a little bit more about that, like what that experience and how you came up with the idea for Mini Dip? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so my entire background has been creative um, ever since childhood, college, and then I actually went into advertising as a designer and art director right out of college. And I was working in different agencies for about 10 years prior to launching Minidip. But um, I was working full-time around the clock in advertising, which is crazy hours, like 120 hours a week, things like that. And on the side, I actually launched my own design house um, just because I really wanted to have... I wanted to be an entrepreneur, you know, since I was a kid and I wanted to have a little piece of something that was completely mine. And I used that as an outlet to focus more on like event design and interior design. So it kind of had those properties that um, the design I was doing in my full-time advertising job uh, didn't really have. So it was kind of filling that gap for me and just was purely a passion. That started in 2012. And soon after kind of working on that, um, I was building my own client list, but simultaneously was working on packaging, TV commercials, branding, websites, apps for global brands, and really loved seeing the full 360 of how you build a brand. And I was kind of bringing that into my own uh, design house with, like I said, the event and interior design aspect to it. But then I really missed that tangible make it with your hands type of art. Um, I was also an artist as well as a designer. So I kind of really missed that tangible thing. And event design, interior design gave me that through DIYs or I was being commissioned for wedding favors that I was making by hand. And that's when I really started to love product as well and not just the design mm -hmm. to promote it, but the product itself. And it was a couple years in and I told my husband, you know, I really want to have a product on Target shelves that's mine one day. That was my number one goal. And he reminded me that years earlier, I had this idea for an inflatable pool and reminded me of it. And that's really when the lightning struck. Like, why am I not doing this right now? I need to get started right away. So that's really what kind of brought all of my experience in design and, and marketing and propelled it into the product space, which was so foreign to me, um, but really exciting at the same time. Your experience, as you're describing it, kind of reminds me when I launched the company that I founded, Hint, I was surprised in some bizarre way that the product sold off the shelf. I was so <laughs> focused on creating the product and, uh, you know, getting it on the shelf. But when I had heard uh, that the product had sold 10 cases at Whole Foods when we first launched. And I happened to be delivering a baby in the hospital and I get a phone call yeah. from the Whole Foods buyer that were sold out. I was like, wait, who, like, who took the product? No, they sold. You have to get back in here to like replenish the product. I mean, there's so many pieces to a company that, you know, you have to, you can't just have the float or the pool, or uh, you have to create a box. You have to, you know, right. get it on the shelf. Like there's so many aspects to it. So what has been the most surprising? Like wh what was your moment at the very beginning when you were just like, oh, 
I forgot about that, or I didn't realize that part was going to come so soon. <laughs> um, I, I would say everything has been such a whirlwind that there are a lot of those moments. Um, but I think I was in the lucky position that I could do everything from, like you said, the packaging, the logo, um, the website, all of the photos we're taking in our living room where I'm standing right now, um, in our, our rooftop of our condo. And I could do all of the things except for actually manufacture it. So it was learning those logistics and kind of figuring out, um, you know, the manufacturing lingo and, and understanding supply chain. But I will say the thing that surprised me the most was just the investment of an inventory-based company. You need capital constantly. Um, mm -hmm. With design, it was free. That was just my time. And, you know, it was years and years of experience that that allowed it to be free for me. But that was just time-based versus just constantly having to figure out projections of how many do you order? Are you going to overbuy, underbuy? Um, so the the manufacturing of goods and needing that capital to fund inventory-based company versus a design company that I had mm. had for years where you know I was doing freelance client work and estimating my time and, and attaching a value to that for my customers was so different than attaching um, the value to a product, a, a thing that was being produced. And I think that was... Um, a moment that I don't think I would have understood since I wasn't in the, the product space, but quickly, you know, took that challenge and, and figured it out. And then the momentum after that, after our first collection was just crazy. Um, I actually had the meeting with my target buyer within a year of launching Minidip and had um, the, the PO to be in store, every Target store the following year. So I didn't think it would happen that fast. That was my goal. Wow. And to, to be able to do that because I was bringing something that wasn't in the market yet um, and it was such a fresh and new approach using design to completely reinvent that category, um, that was just like, thank God I figured out that logistical part of it with the manufacturing because I knew I had a good idea, but that was the part I couldn't control. So figuring out that challenge and then it propelling so quickly um, was just, that was the whirlwind for sure in the beginning. So how many SKUs did you launch with? So our very first collection was three pools, three ring pools. And I had to cut like 15 designs. <laughs> I wanted to produce so many, but um, obviously, you know, trying to get proof of concept, I started out very small and narrowed it down to three because I felt like three is a good number to have a full collection and not seem like a one-off product. Um, the following year, we launched another one plus uh, floats with confetti pieces in it. And then when we went into Target, we uh, hit shelves with, I think it was six designs, all three ring. And that same year, I developed the Tufted Silhouette, which is our most iconic mini dip. Um, it's patented. I'm so proud of that. I always wanted to have a, a patent. So um, that was 2019 when we introduced that. And then Target started carrying it the following year. So then it became um, really iconic for us um, as one of our silhouettes. And to date, I lost count this season, but as I last checked, like we, I was at 55 different patterns that I had developed uh, as of last season. So I want to say probably up to like 70 something now, um, but I'm, I make every pattern myself, develop every um, silhouette, figure out the engineering for the product. Um, I just really love the product development side of it in addition to the pattern creation. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? 
Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long, term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. 
And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So you mentioned start small. So how big, like you had three SKUs, how many, just to give people sort of an idea, I would imagine you initially just put it online, right? And you had your own products, you weren't in Target for another year, you were trying to figure things out. How many uh, products did, or like, what was your initial kind of order just to get a proof of concept? Yeah. So I did the minimum, um, which I had obviously no idea how quickly they would sell or if they would sell, um, and launched it just on our .com June 1st, which now I know is way past the season for inflatable pools. Now we launch in February, typically a new collection. Um, so we kind of missed that summer, but I went with the minimums for those three. So uh, that was about 1,500 units that first year that I ordered. And uh, just to show kind of how it scaled, we're at over a million units to date. Um, so within six years, we went from, yeah, fifth, or five years, uh, 1,500 units to over a million total. Not per year, but total, total sold. <laughs> and selling, by the way, in yes. June, right? Yes. Like, and I mean- that was starting in June. Yeah, that first year... Uh, was very small, uh, sold very few of them because they also didn't arrive. We, we started with pre-orders. Uh, they didn't arrive until summer was basically over. But I really wanted to uh, get them out there because I knew I had the idea in 2013. It was 2017. I knew it's only a matter of time before somebody is like, why, are, why is this not in the market? Um, so I, I felt that pressure to not sit on it any longer and launched. And then the following year was huge for us. But of course, the copycat started. As soon as they saw that first Instagram post go up on our feed, it made the rounds to you know that category. And we the following year, Ari, we're dealing with copycats and competitors um, following suit. But it was really important for me to be first to market because we were completely reinventing that category. And so what do you do about copycats? We've had a lot of people on uh, talking about that, about their different categories. Uh, one of my favorite interviews with it was with Elf, Elf on Shelf, and uh, she talked all about that and how it goes. I thought it was fascinating that it's not just about the, you know, the book or the doll or the accessories. It's about how it's being used. And um, so they actually have a lot of attorneys who are, cease and desist all over the internet, not just around the product, but about, you know, using it in some vulgar way or whatever, Mm. which I thought was really interesting um, that they take that very, very seriously and what the brand means to people, et cetera. So, but I'm so curious, like, what do you do about the copycats that are out there? Um, 
it, we're still trying to kind of navigate that and figure out the best approach. It, of course, is extremely disheartening every time we see another one, uh, you know, hit Google or anything like that when we're just randomly searching for mini dip and copycats pop up. Um, I always say it feels like running into an ex-boyfriend on the street when you're not prepared. You're like, oh, that's a gut punch. I, w- I wasn't <laughs> mentally prepared for that. Um, but I think rather than getting distracted, because of course, you know, for a day or two, I'm really upset about it. And it, um, I mean, some of them are so blatantly copying us and we're a small business and are very, um, you know, open about our brand and the fact that I founded it and I design every pattern. So it, it, they are very personal to me. So it is very hard. Um, it's not just about market share. It's about stealing IP and, and innovation. But instead of letting it distract me, I always try to just remind myself that the innovation is what they can't copy. Because if I continue to focus on moving us forward and not just on a singular product, um, it, they're always going to be a year behind at least. Um, I just... Totally. It was such an obvious solution in the market that I knew that there would be copycats immediately, especially coming from advertising. I, our, competitor, our, our clients had competitors all the time that we were trying to remarket against to push against their competitors. So I just know that that was naturally part of it. So I was prepared for it. I was very secretive in the beginning. I didn't tell anyone what I was working on until it went live because I knew, you know, even reaching out to certain manufacturers was really hard in the beginning because if I gave them the idea to a pool company, they could just start doing it without me immediately because they already had either shelf space or the manufacturing figured out. So I had to be very careful in the beginning, but always knowing that hopefully copies are, you know, purest form of flattery to a degree. Um, but there are things like the the IP that we can protect, like the, the patented silhouette and different patterns um, that we do. Our, our legal team was something that we invested in from the beginning. And so that is, you know, what we're working to protect the most, the, the pure innovation um, side of it through patents. And it just, yeah, it's, it's a bummer when the big companies uh, blatantly copy you, especially after asking for samples and you send them product and then they have it. And then, oh, now you guys have one that's identical. That's, it's just yeah. when it's so obvious that it's the most frustrating, but we tackle what we can, but I just don't want to get bogged down by it because I just want to keep uh, innovating and introducing new product. I am so thrilled to tell you about our newest sponsor, NoCD. It's an online platform where you get online sessions with an ERP trained therapist when you need them. We've all heard about managing our mental health. Maybe we feel overwhelmed by anxiety or find ourselves feeling overly compulsive or having obsessive thoughts. Does any of this sound familiar? You aren't alone. Did you know that one in 40 people actually suffer from something called OCD? And it's no joke. These thoughts of compulsive behavior and obsessive thoughts may be OCD. And it often is misdiagnosed yet challenging for someone to handle and break through the cycle on their own. That's what NoCD really specializes in. Their online ERP OCD trained therapists make it quicker and easier to see an expert that could help online instead of waiting to find and see a doctor at a local office too. Specialized online therapy with additional support between sessions, 24-7 therapist messaging, in-app tools, support groups, and so much more. 
And you'll find terrific self-help tools and community peer groups in the NoCD app that are all pretty useful. Plus, access to therapy from anywhere at any time. First step, book a free call with NoCD experts to determine if you should explore this further. And they have a ton of experience and understand if they can be helpful. It's a free, no-risk call. Knowing that you can have the support when you need it most is gold. So what are you waiting for? Getting started is super easy. Go to treatmyocd.com to book your free exploratory call. That's treatmyocd.com to book your free call today. So you mentioned the Tuffeted. Do you want to describe exactly how that differs for your brand? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I always was looking to the pool to be the centerpiece of the backyard of a summer moment. And the three ring shape is what we all traditionally think of um, as a kiddie pool. But I really wanted to kind of explore it more as like a statement piece of furniture. And I have this obsession with tufted furniture. So I was like, how can we bring that uh, channel tufted look to an inflatable? It's always, I, I love designing a lot of different things, whether it's home pieces or, um, you know, party decor. So it's always kind of like, how can I take this thing that I want to create and bring it into the inflatable world where I understand the engineering of it and I can figure out how we can make that come to be. So it was years that I was trying to figure out how exactly could we bring that tufted look to um, our our silhouette of mini dip. And the scallop tufted is um, what makes it so iconic that the the top line isn't a straight line across like most pools. It has scallops um, across the top to really give it kind of like a shell tufted, um, channel tufted piece. That's I love that one the most just because, um, yeah, it really brought that that interior design look um, to to your backyard. I love it. So, and it's affordable as well. So it's not the cheapest in the world, but it's actually of really good quality. And so, and it looks awesome uh, for sure. So where did the name come from? Uh, So that was, I actually had a list of like 500 (laughs) names that I was playing around with for uh, a couple years while I was developing it. And that one just kept coming to the top of the list because it's, um, just with my my background in branding and, and design, I love when it can be a noun and a verb. So it comes from the idea of skinny dipping. So you're that's why there's two ends in mini dip. Um, I knew so it's you were skinny say dip. That. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, <laughs> good. It's a lot of people. It takes them a while to figure out the the play there, um, but it also is uh, uh, more um, ownable because it's not just spelt as a description of a mini dip. Um, that double N it really helps it stand out um, from you know a brand awareness standpoint. But yeah, it's a play on mini dipping. Uh, the mini dip, it's a small dip. Um, so that was the one that yeah just kept coming to the foreground and and eventually decided okay this is this is what we're going to name it. I love it. I believe you. So you started out as a direct to consumer company, and then obviously you went into Target. Uh, you're in other stores beyond just Target. But can you talk a little bit about like retail strategy? Because I know people always we hear a lot about direct to consumer first, and then people go into retail. We actually went into retail, and then went into direct to consumer. How do you think about that? Like when people say, what is your go-to-market strategy and how consumers ultimately buy your product? 
Yeah. So like I said, my number one goal was to be in Target with my own product one day. So I always looked at it from a retail perspective. Um, everything from developing the packaging as I would for a client that was going to be on retail shelves. I knew that we needed to tell a story and have beautiful packaging that if you're walking in the aisle, it caught your attention and could give you the message that we couldn't through our website or Instagram because that's not where we're talking to you. So I had developed that strategy in the beginning. But number one, I wanted to make sure that it was first to market since it was completely brand new and a new concept. And typically you show, you know, a book a uh, year out from it being on shelves. So you take a lot of risk in sharing really proprietary ideas or uh, confidential information. And you don't know who you're sharing it to um, until you really build a rapport with a certain retailer or um, whomever. So it was more from a confidentiality standpoint that I didn't want them to have the opportunity to beat me to the punch. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. just knowing that, I mean, just from my background, I knew that it would be such a long lead time that I would have to, to share those ideas um, before we got to, to share them ourselves. So that was always where we started. Like, let's start out on our website, make sure that it's clear that we were the original um, and get that messaging across and tell our brand story. But also we really wanted to have it be proof of concept. I knew that I couldn't try to convince Target to carry it on shelves at the volume that they would if I didn't have the numbers to back it up of the demand that people wanted it and to have the photography. By mm-hmm. us launching it on our Instagram and website, we had all of these um, you know, followers or influencers reaching out to us and wanting to take photos with it. So that really helped build the story of the interest in th- not just the product, but our brand um, that I could then take and and have that to to show them. And then, like even to this day now, we still use our website as a testing ground. I'm always coming up with new, you know, um, concepts that I really want to see if the demand is there. We work out, you know, kind of what makes it best for the the end user, and we use our website kind of as that proof of concept testing ground, even to this day. And then we get to take it. And you know, make a larger volume um, when we bring it to you know a Target or uh, Anthropology or um, Goop. We've had you know different retailers, but it really helps for us to have a direct line to the customer to to understand how they're using it, how they like it, what they're looking for, how can we make it better before we kind of produce it at this larger scale that we might not have all of that data to pull from. Definitely. So you have other products beyond pools. When do you? decide to kind of go outside of your core product and you know you're launching your company initially you guys are known for maybe one thing and then like how do you make that decision that you're going to go and do other things and obviously you can't do just one thing you have to do more <laughs> things and how fast do you like how do you make those decisions uh it's it's that is one of the hardest parts, I would say, only because I have so many ideas. My husband always jokes about like just trying to wrangle my brain sometimes, um, just because there is so much I want to bring to the Mini Dip brand. Um, and editing it down and deciding where do you invest is really the hardest part because if you go too fast and and try to do too much, you kind of lose reins a little bit and you you can't pivot and follow what is working. Um, but I will say I always 
knew that I wanted it to be beyond just the singular product. That was always my biggest fear too, was I don't want to be a, a one hit wonder with one product that we're known for. I always knew it would be a brand beyond that, not just one thing. But I think that also, you know, came from me wanting to use it myself. And the reason that I came up with the idea is I was hosting a party on a rooftop and wanted a beautiful pool for everybody to, you know, dip in while we're sipping rosé and there was nothing in the market. So that's when the light bulb went off of let me, uh, you know, figure out a design-focused aesthetic, as people would say now, um, pool that we could use here because I wanted it to match everything else at that party. I had put so much, uh, you know, of my event design background into every detail of the party and I wanted the photo to look perfect on Instagram and Pinterest. So I always saw it as a piece of a larger occasion and celebration. So it was like a natural progression to really want to bring in all of those pieces, whether it be umbrellas or cabanas, um, you know, drinkware, um, towels to have it all feel cohesive. Cause that was kind of the point from the beginning, but we had to start with the one super unique thing that we could, and then kind of build that story out. Once we started to see what are people looking for? Do they do they really want the matching ring float and umbrella? Yes, they do. Like then we can kind of use that feedback and feel confident that when we invest into building those SKUs, that there is the demand for it versus us just feeling like we need to create this full catalog without really getting that feedback first. Yeah, it makes sense. So looking back, what would you say has been one of the hardest lessons that you've learned? I've had We've had our own lessons and, and building hints, you know, everything from not having a proper shelf life before we got it on the shelves early. We had uh, clear labels. That was another one that we learned really early on that consumers couldn't see the product and it wasn't going to stand out. And we had to have a white background on labels versus clear. And that like 10x our, our sales once we went to white labels versus clear labels. So all kinds of like little things like that along the way. But were there any big lessons that you learned, especially early on that you were like, ah, you know, I got to accept that that was a, you know, big challenge or one that maybe you figured out, hopefully you, you figured out along the way and you didn't lose too much money uh, from it, but you were able to take it as a lesson and move forward. Yeah. Um, I, Definitely quite a few. And they're always expensive, but lessons learned for sure. And um, my dad always jokes, well, that's just you getting your MBA, <laughs> your business 101. That was the investment instead of you know going and getting your master's, uh, you're learning it here through investing in yourself. Um, so that always takes some of the sting out of it. Um, the, the very beginning, what almost kind of bankrupt us. Our, our first year was we actually had a different company name. It, it, Mini Dip was always the brand name, but our, our company is Lavaca mm-hmm. Design House. Mm-hmm. It started out as a different name. Um, and we had done our due diligence to know that we would be able to get the, co- uh, the trademark of it uh, because nobody else was in the category of our previous brand name. Uh, company name, excuse me. And so we had printed all of our packaging, had the website, had the the Instagram handle, had all the things. And um, within our first year, we got a cease and desist uh, for the company name. And um, we ended up going back and forth and, and reaching an agreement. 
but then we had to put the label on every box that we had. We had to hand label our current company name on top of um, the old one because we, you know, didn't want to, that was part of our agreement with them. So uh, it was very time consuming. It was very expensive. And I like, thank God it happened when it did. It it was a very expensive legal, (laughs) um, you know, exercise as well for the, the lawyer fees and all of that. And it was money that we did not have or anticipate needing at that point. So it really did almost kind of stop us in our tracks um, because it, it took up all of our funds and we didn't know if we were going to be able to move forward past that. Um, but thank God it happened when it did, because if we were on target shelves and that happened and we had to pull hundreds of thousands of units instead of the 1500 boxes that we had to cover up, um, it would have been absolutely terrible and, and, you know, cost us so much money and time and effort, um, having invested in that. So that was definitely one of the the moments that we didn't know if we were going to be able to push forward, but, you know, I'm so happy we did. I'm, it all happened for a reason. Our current name is even better, uh, for us. So yeah, and the timing of it, right when we're trying to get our footing. And I think I, um, yeah, it was maybe two weeks after we launched, I think, was when we when we got that cease wow. and desist. Um, even though we had legal counsel tell us in the beginning, like, no, we're going to be okay. Like, we did the due diligence and you can't foresee it. So now that's why we're so protective of our IP and, and doing the due diligence ahead of time because we don't want to invest in that and then have to, to backtrack anything because it just takes so much so much momentum um, off off of it, but there's been other similar, you know, not not that um, disheartening or, or difficult to to move past, but always lessons, um, you know, either producing too much vinyl for for a product that we ended up not being able to, um, you know, get assembled and having to to re navigate. Okay, well, how do we use this vinyl for another product instead instead of pools? So, um, yeah, I, I would say all of them are lessons I'm so happy we learned at the stage in our path that we did um, because it really helped us to avoid a bigger issue in the future. Yeah, definitely. You have touched on this a little bit during this interview and you talked about your dad, but best advice that you ever received that you think about when you maybe hit challenging times uh, that you that sort of allow you to kind of get back up again? I can't think of a specific point of advice, but I would say if I didn't have my husband, I there's so many things that um, his support and, and guidance and understanding um, to just really help me navigate. I, there's no way I would be able to keep going because he is the ultimate sounding board. And in those early days, it was just us trying to figure out what we were doing together. So I think you know, when, when he's worrying about the business, then I can step in and, and give him the, the advice and vice versa. When I'm struggling to keep going, um, he's the one that, that brings me up to, to keep going past the challenges because I, I mean, I guess the main advice that he's given me is would, what would you rather be doing working for someone else? And the answer is always no. <laughs> it's always yeah. like, this is what I want to be doing no matter how hard it is or challenging it is. I know that we've gotten where we are and it's exactly where, you know, six years ago, I was dreaming of being one day. Um, so the fact that we were able to get this far and having him be that reminder of every step along the way, the one person that really 
gets exactly where we've been um, and can remind me of that is is definitely what keeps me going. Yeah, and I think you're you're kind of hitting on on a topic that comes up a lot, which is you know entrepreneurship can be really lonely, and especially when you're doing it alone and you know you're trying to run a team, no matter how big the team is, um, you've got to have somebody else to be your yang, whether it's a co-founder or um, you know a supportive husband or somebody, uh, you know, second lieutenant, whatever it is, because it's just, there are those days that are stressful, that you have challenging times, that you've got to have somebody kind of remind you about why you started in the first place and how you have weathered hard storms and things like that. And it sounds like that is uh, a piece of advice that you would probably give to other entrepreneurs for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, that is one of the hardest parts of being an entrepreneur is the isolation that it can create because um, the people in your life don't sign up for it with you necessarily. My husband luckily did. Um, in 2020, he was able to come on full-time at Minidip, and I am so grateful because I would have crumbled that year without him. Um, it was the hardest one yet, but we we got through it together because of his expertise. He's also an art director in marketing, so he's our CMO. Um, and then my dad helping us like at every step of this. Um, but outside of the people that see it in real time and, or are going through it through themselves as an entrepreneur, people really cannot grasp how much sacrifice and compromise it takes to be an entrepreneur. And especially once it becomes successful, it's even harder and not having someone by my side who has seen every single day with me and gets it to his core because he's living it with me, it would be so isolating because no matter how much you can explain it to someone not going through it, they they really just don't grasp it or you're working too much. You should, can't you take a day off? And it's like, no, like this is 24 seven all the time because it is 100% our company and, and we don't get to step away at this point because it is successful. Um, so we have to keep going and people who aren't in that same position, um, it, it really is hard for them to to understand the sacrifice that we're willing to make. Um, and yeah, if, if I didn't have him and, and, and we always say too, we're, we're just so lucky that we get to work together every day. I know most people are like, how is it working with your husband? But for us, like, I'm so happy that I create a company where I get to be with my husband and my pup every day. Yeah, my Like that's just the best gift ever. So, um, yeah, no, yeah, I but it can it. be super isolating. I've worked with my husband as well. And it's, uh, it's definitely, it makes, um, it, it's nice. It's, it's nice to be able to do that. And, uh, somebody who can finish your sentences when you can't, um, yeah. things like that <laughs> along the way. And, you know, that you're able to talk to at 11 o'clock at night and it's, uh, it, and, you know, definitely it, it makes such a big difference. So, and, uh, somebody who also has different skill sets and can respect, um, you know, yours as, as well. And, and I think that that's a key thing and know what else you have going on in your life too. Right. Um, right. so that I think that's really, really key. So this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Emily. And everyone needs to check out mini dip, uh, whether it's at, 
a Target or another location or online uh, at Minidip. It's M-I-N-N-I-D-I-P. And we'll have all the info in the show notes too. But Emily Vaca, thank you again. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. If you would, please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of our podcast. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book, Undaunted, which I share my journey including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and 2023 and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I wanna talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Kara Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.